Hi Chris, how are you? Yes, good evening Rod, on this very soggy day, here we are. I think I always talk about the weather. We do talk about the weather, but it has been particularly soggy today, i got to say. Walking into work this morning, it was torrential. I have to walk from my shed to my house, which isn't that far, but far enough, and it was wet every time I got a coffee, and I was like, I need to have like an umbrella for my coffee cup. <laughs> a tiny little espresso one, maybe there's an idea there. I'm not sure how much you would catch on. It's quite a first world problem. It is a first world problem, particularly if we're going to have less and less water in the future. I think you might need one to keep the dust off and not the water. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah, I know. Maybe we shouldn't be complaining so much about the rain. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Should we get on with the show? Let's dive in. So I think the first thing's on you. Just very briefly. So I spoke last week, I borrowed an iPad Pro M2 2022 edition from work. I've sent it back because I couldn't really bother to set it up and fully commit. And I hadn't really noticed any difference. And then actually two days ago, MKBHD released his review of it, which is quite late for him because normally he's he's quite timely. And he basically said the same thing. I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's fantastic. It's him twice. One on, on one side of a couch with the old iPad, the M1, and one on the other side of the couch with the other iPad. And he's talking to himself, in essence, comparing the two models. It's really well done video, but he managed to stretch it out for nine minutes, which I thought was impressive because there's not a lot of content. If he hadn't had that idea of having the twins, in essence, comparing iPads, I'm not sure he'd have done any video. So it was a good video. The iPad's not worth getting if you've got an M1 iPad. It possibly is worth getting if you've got a slightly older iPad and you're pushing it. Yeah, it sounds like a very incremental upgrade, which in some ways, if they hadn't redesigned the M2 Mac, that would have been the case for it as well. You know, they put it in a new box, but the chip actually wasn't all that much better, was it? A couple of percent maybe, so... I think that's fair. You're right. The, the major thing with the Air was the new chassis. Uh, and I guess it gets 24 gig of RAM now. That was the only other minor upgrade. Yeah, which is going to be less of an issue on the iPad unless they release some sort of studio-based one that is much bigger. Oh, uh, you don't get the extra RAM on the iPad. So no point getting it. So there we go. Another stunning review from us in the same way that the iPhone 15 wasn't worth getting. iPhone 14 wasn't worth getting. The M2 iPad Pro isn't worth getting either. Come for the jokes, stay for the honesty. Absolutely. You know, we calls them as we sees them. Quite. Okay, what's your piece of follow-up? So, so I promised last week that as I was going away again that I would try all four because you'd said when you tried all four when you were away in the summer that it was complaining that you weren't in the UK, therefore you couldn't watch. I tried it in Amsterdam Airport and then again in a couple of other situations, actually. So I definitely tried it. When I launched the app on just the Wi-Fi in the airport, it, it did say, you're not in the UK, you can't stream stuff. But when I clicked on the downloaded tab, it let me play. And then again, later on, it would just let me play anything I downloaded. So no problems with it at all, other than the warning up front. So maybe they've changed it since you went away, or I, I'm not sure what happened there. But certainly downloaded things I could play, stream stuff wasn't happy about. Well, maybe I just read the warning and quit the app and should have probably persevered. I think that's probably on me. <laughs> you just jump into conclusions there. Yeah, quite possibly. It's unlike a user to be irrational. No, no, you just, I want the thing I expect to see now, and if I don't, this is a problem. Yeah, it's an odd idea, though, isn't it? You should say, you can't stream while you're bored, but you can watch downloaded content. Yeah, it is a bit odd, but at least to let you get on with it. And, you know, that maybe the, I should have maybe taken a screenshot of the error. I'm afraid I'm not going away to test it again anytime soon. But yeah, it worked fine. So don't be afraid if you've got to download your Taskmaster to go away with you. I presume, I don't even know the answer to this, actually. Do you have to be a subscriber to download things? Or is this something that just works, whether you're a subscriber or not? I think it just works, but I assume you get baked in adverts, maybe? Downloads the adverts as well? I'd, I'd have thought so, because obviously that's how they make the money, isn't it? Revenue... 
he's, he's through adverts on all four. I was just putting on the World Cup for my son on ITV and I had to sit through loads of adverts to get to the World Cup. And I was like, come on, just, just put it on now. Because I watched one earlier on BBC and this one's on the ITV and I'd forgotten. Oh yeah, of course, you've got to get your fill of adverts in. Yeah, I mean, the, it's interesting, the World Cup and advertising, and we're in danger of going down a rat hole immediately. But did you see the controversy around the alcohol sponsorship at the World Cup? I think the whole thing's controversial, isn't it? Like, well, everything about the World Cup's controversial this year. This particular one is, given human rights records and all sorts of things. But I thought this was particularly interesting in that I think it's InBev, the company that owned Budweiser and others, had paid $57 million or something for the sponsorship of a particular product of theirs. And then two days before the World Cup is due to start, they say, no, you're, you're not allowed to drink inside the stadiums. So that's that's embarrassing more than anything else. How did it get that far? How, I un- how did that happen? I have no idea. I mean, I understand why a Muslim country would not want alcoholic advertising or consumption of alcoholic beverages in a public place. I completely understand that. You know, that's the, that's the law of the land. That's the way they do things. Fine. But as you say, why then allow the advertising? And then I think what it has turned into, though, now is they're going to do the alcohol-free beer that they do, which kind of makes sense. But again, it shouldn't have come out two days beforehand that the the sponsorship deals moving massively. I watched a bit of Formula One, as you know, and that's usually sponsored by Heineken. And But more recently, it's spon- sponsored by Heineken. I don't know what it's called, but, you know, 0%. So a lot of sports are moving that way, I think. But it just seems a shocking omission to get that far through the process. And you're literally at the bit where, you know, you're just, you know, dusting the chairs or whatever it is and doing the last clean before the first game. And they're like, oh yeah, we're not going to do alcohol. And it's like, whoa. I don't know. I did see a thing about the fan zone not being ready, but they're still being sort of diggers and unfinished things for the fan zone just a couple of days before it. Wow. I'm not surprised. I mean, we've all been on the inside of something that's opening and <laughs> it's all a bit last minute. Yeah. This seems particularly last minute though, I got to say. Yeah, it's, it's it's often the way though, isn't it? You hear about it like with the Olympics and things. Will it be ready in time? And there's usually a shot at them. Now, it did, did seem a little crazy that you literally they've shipped all the Budweiser out there and now they can't sell it. I reckon, I wonder if anybody's selling it cheap. Well, quite possibly. You know, it's it's just in the stadium though. I think the other things can go ahead, can't they? Interesting though, all the same. Yeah, but you've still got tankers of beer to get rid of. It's, <laughs> it's not good for your carbon footprint, is it? I don't think anything about this is good for the carbon footprint. We could get back onto Formula One on that one. Well, and and my my sport of choice, MotoGP, is not much better. Although they are trying a Moto E championship as well. Yeah, it's not as popular, bizarrely, mostly because the riders, you know, aren't on it. But they are trying a Moto E championship, so they've got something waiting in the wings for the next thing, which I think is quite good. Formula E is the same. It just hasn't got the gravitas of Formula One. Well, that's it. You need your Lando Norris's or whoever to be right, driving one of those, and then maybe you'd be on, on, onto that sort of thing. Or your Max Verstappen's. He won the championship this year. Did I, okay. I'm getting that. Yeah. I, the, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in danger of really going down a rat hole. Should we move on and do news and rumours? Let's do it. So first one's yours. The first one's mine, and this is just, it's an appeal in the Epic case that we talked a lot about a few weeks ago on the podcast. So this is Epic striking back at Apple's iOS security defense. So Apple said they've built, the walled garden they have built is for security as much as anything else. And this is Epic just making an appeal within this process about its App Store and App Payment system, not necessarily being part of that argument. So it's just a comment on the fact that this case is ongoing. It's been very, very quiet for a while. If you remember, Apple more or less won this case. Everything except one part of it was was ruled in Apple's favor. 
both Epic and Apple appealed that. Apple obviously wanted to win it outright and Epic wanted to do better. But this is just another addition to the appeal that, that the iOS walled garden is just an excuse to rake in profits. And giving everything we were talking about last week, it's possible I've got a bit more sympathy for Epic's take on this than I had previously. So it's just it's a lot of arcane legal discussions and things like that within the difference but apple pointing at security is the difference and then you know the mac app store being equivalent of all sort you know having all manner of things within it that are scammy and not necessarily secure and the fact you can go into security problems and things it's just a convenient excuse for a legal argument so it's quite it's not the longest article in the world but it's just a, a read through to sort of bring yourself up to date and where the case is yeah i must confess i'd forgotten about this i know you like the legal cases I don't, this one's just going to keep going, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you got to think even as the, if there's a ruling, there'll probably be an appeal. But I, I don't know enough about the American legal system to say there'll be multiple appeals within this. But as we've seen with the Microsoft case with Activision that's been going on for the merger, even if it's settled in one country, it doesn't mean it's settled in all of them. So this is such a it's a global issue. It's not just an American one. And I have to think if Apple lose, then they're going to appeal somewhere else, or you know, or vice versa. So it, it is interesting. Or they open it up in different sections of the world because of different localized laws. Yeah, I mean, I think that's in the long term, that's probably what's going to happen, isn't it? That Apple will be forced, and so will Google. It won't just be Apple, as we were talking about last week with the various EU lot rulings that are coming along. They're going to have to open up to other cases, and things like Epic and things like Origin, and like you've said before, Steam, I think will have to be made available within the App Store at a reasonable level. It may take a bit of legalities or, or forcing to do that in the same way that the, I still haven't got the soundboard, USB-C case is going forwards for the phones and things like that. But it's just, like you say, these things are rumbling along the background. I think it's important to highlight these little things as they come up to keep an eye on the legalities. Because in the longer term, this is going to affect Apple, it is going to affect Google, and it's going to affect the tech landscape that we're used to. Yeah, this could be massive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the article. I think it's worth a little read. It's Ars Technica, who are normally quite good at reporting this kind of stuff. More technical bent generally than legal bent, which are some of the things, and certainly not an Apple bias in any way. So worth a read. Nice to go to Ars Technica, actually. I haven't been there for a while. It's a good website. It's, it's high-quality journalism, generally. And, you know, they're not perfect, but I quite like pulling the old story from them. No, it's a good chap. Good. Next story I found, but I thought would be one that you'd be most interested in, really, given your interest in matter plugs and things at the moment. So it's an article from 9to5Mac. Meros has debuted, de- debuted one of the first matter smart plugs that's actually available for purchase. You can go and buy one of these things now. Certainly in the American market, I don't know if they've made the UK equivalent yet, but I quite like Meros. I've got to say the garage door opener that I've talked about a few times is a Meros thing. It's already HomeKit compatible. It was compatible with the other apps, device manufacturers as well that we're not going to say the Hey Dingus app stores. So I just thought this was an interesting development that they're one of the first to market. Yeah, I'm super interested to try them. So I've got some Eve home plugs. They're not the thread ones. We really want to try these because they look a lot smaller than the ones I've got. But I'm just waiting for them to come to the UK and then I'll, I'll just have, I was hoping Matter stuff would be there for Black Friday, but it Seems a bit of an odd release. It's very staggered. Some things are getting firmware updated, some things aren't. But I'm definitely in the market. I'd love to try one of these and see, is it a lot more reliable and quicker than the non-matter stuff? That's the question I want to answer. Is it any better than the non-matter stuff? Yeah, you would hope it would be, I don't know, faster or something. I mean, as you scroll through this article and you get the list of brands that have signed up to the matter sort of alliance, and the ones that I pick out are, you know, Casa, which I've used before for Christmas tree lights. Eve is on there. Meros, as we've talked about. Amazon. Smart things, TP Link, Yale, so locks and things like that. Philips Hue, it's pretty much 
all the things that you'd want to see as part of the, you know, the improvement to smart home brands. And if it can make it easier, more reliable to mix and match your, your, your Apple HomePod with your TP-Link plug or your Schneider, you know, Schneider make electricity type things, don't they? Distribution boards and stuff. So presumably they're in this as well. So it's just, it's encouraging to see. And for these to come to market, two plugs will be $50, which in my head is comparable to what I was paying for these things about 25 quid before for a plug. Yeah, no, I don't think that's too bad. I think the money's okay. Like you say, it's great to see everybody doing it. Uh, before I was buying all HomeKit stuff anyway. No, I'm really keen. I just, I kind of want to fast forward a year, I guess, and come to next year's Black Friday when hopefully this town is out there a bit more. Everybody's adopted it and we can see what's what. I just want to know, is it better than the HomeKit stuff? Or is it the same? I mean, this this will be the thing. I mean, how do, how reliable do you find your HomeKit stuff now? Fairly reliable. It's probably just slightly less reliable when you ask Siri to do it for you. But if you push the button, it's generally really good. So like I've got my heater on it. I see Residio is on there. They they do my thermostat. And that's been pretty good. I don't get why I can't do the hot water though. I don't think that's been put into HomeKit or the Home app. But you can do the heating but not the hot water bit, which is a bit annoying because if you want to boost it, you've got to go into the app. Whereas I just want everything in the Home app. I, I like the dream and I want to get there a bit quicker. I think that kind of depends on your boiler. Have you not got a combi boiler? No, I haven't got a combi boiler, but the uh, bit of hardware I installed to do the heating via the Home app works, and it's the same bit of hardware, but it, the hot water doesn't come up in the Home app. You might need another smart thermostat to do that side of it. So in my situation, I have got a combi boiler, so there is no separate water heating thing, but I've got underfloor heating in one room in the house, so I had to buy two of the smart thermostat things, one to do the underfloor heating part of it and one to do the, the rest of the house. Right, okay. I'll worry about this. And again, I'm going to wait for Matt just to get a little bit further along, I think. I'm sure some are better than others, but th- this was one of the things that really upset me about the Google Nest products, actually, is that, am I saying that? It was Nest, Nest thermostat, yeah. They were extremely expensive when I bought them and they broke very, very quickly. It, relatively speaking in these things, I'd say I maybe got three and a half years out of them. Uh, watch, what was a, I don't know, 300, 400 pound purchase for each of them at the start. As part of the work that was being done on the house, it was kind of absorbed in the cost of that. But I wouldn't spend that much money on a ther- smart thermostat again, particularly, and I don't know if your your one does this, the algorithmic learning of when you're in and out of the house and all the rest of it means nothing. And actually, I've gone back to a timer thing just with the ability to control it in my absence anyway. Don't use any of the cleverness. I just use it. So it turns on every morning for 10 minutes to warm up the hot water and it's same in the evening. And then we just manually turn it on and off when we want it. Don't do anything clever. Yeah, which is, you know, they tend to be quite expensive gizmos for that. So it is a thought that there's no point in going for the most expensive thing in the market if if they just generally don't work. And just as an aside, I don't think it bodes very well for a lot of this machine learning type stuff because that's quite a predictable thing. Most families and people have a routine. They come and they go. If you can't learn like a routine for something like that, excluding holidays and, you know, strange things that happen. But most people are up at a certain time, out at a certain time, different on the weekends. It's a relatively predictable thing. So that's your experience was rubbish. My experience was rubbish. It's it's interesting. I bought it more for those occasions when you're driving home. I said, oh, let's pop the heat on. So when we get in the door, it's just taking the edge off it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's good to see they're coming to market. It's a shame there's no UK ones yet for you to try, but uh, we'll keep we'll watch the space and we can comment on its reliability then. I think we're six months a year out, especially with supply constraints. So I reckon a year from now, Black Friday will be a lot more interesting for smart home. Fair enough. Let's see where we are. Good. Moving on. This is another follow-up on last week's. I wouldn't call it a rant. I'd call it a sort of 
two slightly disappointed blokes talking about being deeply disillusioned in one part of Apple. And this is just to say a little story from 905 Mac that iOS privacy concerns deepen as Apple promises on, on analytics anonymity appear to be false. And most of the article is what we talked about last week. But at the bottom is, so the research, security researcher we talked about last week was MISC, where he demonstrated the assurance of anonymity is false by capturing the data sent to Apple and comparing to that used to identify an iCloud user. So exactly what we talked about last week, opting out of analytics, yet still having your personalized data sent with the UDID for the device and everything. And 9 to 5 Mac have just gone on to say, you know, never ascribe to malice what can be accurately explained by incompetence. And that would normally be my take on this as well, that this wouldn't be deliberate. This is just, it's been left out in the code somewhere but it's been ongoing for quite a while. We've had a lot of versions of this over a lot, a long period of time. And I just think they might have been caught out. And the fact they haven't said anything just makes me even more suspicious about what's going on. The lack of words speaks volumes, I think is what you're trying to say. That's I would exactly. agree. I think I think it's been there a long time and they haven't dealt with it. They've been caught and it just looks a bit, looks a bit bad, doesn't it? When you're always pretending you've got the moral high ground. Yeah, so I think we're still as sad and disappointed as we were last week. I haven't got much more to say about it. I think we're, we're spent last week. Other than to say, you know, if there were alternatives in some ways, I probably would be considering them in some way, shape, manner, or form. Uh, but there aren't. You know, I still trust them slightly more than Google, but the, my, my worry is that amount of trust is, is, is vanishing rapidly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's slowly eroding. I think I'm too knee-deep in this world to get out of this world right now. Well, this is the walled garden, isn't it? At what point does the walled garden become the walled prison? <laughs> you know? That's a fair point. I guess I'm in that zone. Yeah, well, I think we watch this space and see how we get on. Anyway, I think we said enough about that last week. Moving on. Do you want to talk about Tesla again for a minute? Yeah, so I saw this. I didn't look a huge man at it, but I see Apple Music may be coming to Tesla, was, was what I saw. Yeah, so this this is exactly right. It's it's apparently in testing in some developers' vehicles or people who work for Tesla. There's now an Apple Music icon on the on the Tesla within the Tesla touchscreen on the on the in the cars. This is fine. This is not unprecedented for the way that Tesla's worked up to now. Spotify was an app. Tidal was an app. There was a it wasn't a podcast, but there's been a couple of other sort of apps of that nature within it. It'd be no hassle for them to build an Apple Music app, even if it was just a layer to the website, it would be something. So that's fine. The way it works in Tesla at the moment, however, though is you pay, when you buy the vehicle, you get a year's free connectivity with it. And what that connectivity means is you get live traffic on the map, you get a free subscription to Spotify for the year, and you can stream Disney, Netflix, YouTube, all the, all the video apps that are built into the car. So you get a little bit of value add. My year expired, because the car is over a year old though, earlier in this year, end of August, I think it was, and I didn't renew it. It's a tenner a month to go on with from that point. So I lost the live traffic, which didn't particularly bother me because, you know, I can bring it up on my phone if I need to and most of my journeys don't really matter like that. But it still maintains a certain amount of connectivity. So for example, if you're planning a longer trip and you've got to stop at a supercharger, it does still know how many stalls are available for you when you get there. So it's not the end of the world if it goes away. And you can pair it to your phone if you want to. So my question with this is, if I'm not paying the monthly fee to have the car connectivity, Will Apple Music work without it? I don't know. Who built? Well, there's that. And who builds the app? Did Apple build the app? They must do, surely. Or is Tesla building it using the Apple Music API? Tesla builds it using the Spotify API in that sense because it's integrated into the car's entertainment system and it tells you what's coming up next and all that kind of stuff. It integrates your playlist with it. So there is an integration with the cars. You know, It's not just Apple Music as we know and love it from our phones and, and computers in the same way that the PlayStation ones are. I presume Sony and, uh, and Apple 
collaborated in some way, shape, or form. We come with that, but now Tesla would have to do the same. Hmm. I don't know what to say. Um, the connectivity thing's interesting. Could it connect through your phone? I don't know. If you if you set up Wi Fi, you can you can use it as a hotspot. Yeah, you can do that. Right. Okay. Because I just get in my car and just use CarPlay for everything. Yeah. Does the Tesla do Android Auto? No. Oh, so you've got to use Tesla's stuff. Well, I got to say I haven't found it that much of a problem because I just Bluetooth the car. Podcasts and, and Overcast and things like that just work because it streams through Bluetooth. And if I shout, "Hey Dingus, play this thing from Apple Music," it'll just play through the Bluetooth. So it's actually not the end of the world. I've got a map up on the screen anyway. I can shout at the phone, and most of the time, it understands what I'm saying and it works. So I haven't found it to be much of a problem. I got to be honest. And I think the things CarPlay gives you, like so you can see what's playing or you can see the map, I've kind of got that on the screen anyway. So I'm not. That's why I genuinely don't miss CarPlay that much in the in the car. You're going to have to prize CarPlay out of my cold, dead hand. I love it. I love it. I'm so converted. I love it. I get my car. It just works. I get my wife's car. Immediately my wife's one. I have to plug it in. I love it. I've got the same setup in both cars. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I'm there. Because I do actually browse through music every now and again. Like, you know, I'll go and find an album and pick, pick a track I want to listen to. Or I will use Siri occasionally if the kids want to play something. Love it. It's, I'm just converted on it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I will say, there is, don't get me wrong, there is the odd annoyance about this. So I decided I was going to listen to an audible book when I was coming back. Where was I coming? I was driving back from Cardiff Airport after I'd landed in the week. And I shouted, hey, Dingus, play the book I'm listening to on Audible. And it went, you're going to have to unlock your phone to do that. Now, why? Why do I need to unlock my phone? Just play the thing. I don't know. To, you know? So... That's just Siri being stupid again, but it's almost like they're deliberately withholding, you know, making you, making you use something like CarPlay to do that. But that's bad in a way too, because you're looking off, the, you know, you're looking down at the screen, you're tapping a thing. Surely the point of it is I should be able to shout a command and it does it. And it obviously understood me, but then it wanted me to unlock my phone, and I can't do that because it knows I'm driving. What the hell? I love CarPlay. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's so good. I was a bit guided. I didn't get a bit of an update this year. But obviously, that's coming next year because they announced it. Didn't look like BMW was in the cool club anymore. But it is fantastic. I, I've used it. I had it on my previous car. Neither of my current cars has it. Sorry, none of the three cars I have access to has it, is what I should say. Eh, I, I, I vaguely miss it. I only have two cars and they both have it. And whatever car by next will have it. Well, that's, that's your make or break when you're buying a car. Does it have CarPlay? Yes, no. Yeah, pretty much. Fair enough. Moving on, another Tesla story. And after we briefly talked about the recall last week on the power steering pumps failing, this is another recall from Tesla vehicles, 321,000 vehicles this time, which potentially affects mine in the Model 3 and the Model Y as well. And this is a tail light software issue. So I think keeping in line what we were talking about last week, I think they need a little more software testing. Very fast and break things, isn't that the same? Yeah, it does. I find this deeply concerning because Elon's attitude to the development of software is becoming apparent with all the Tesla stories that are going on, with all the Twitter stories that are going on at the moment. If he's applying the same things to his vehicles, I don't feel very safe in my car anymore. I was a bit miffed. My BMW's had one software update in six months. It's a brand new car. I thought, oh, it's a bit slow. But after hearing about Tesla, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty happy with that, actually. And they moved a few bits around, but it wasn't as drastic as what I've heard about Tesla ones. So I'm a little put off the Tesla for a couple of reasons. One, the software. Two, the lack of CarPlay. And three, there was a lot of talking, I don't know if it's true, but about the, you know, the panels not lining up and the build quality not being fantastic. 
And those three things, I've put me off it because it's not like they're a cheap car. They are an expensive premium car. Oh, they are. And the early Tesla models, definitely that was a thing. You know, the panels weren't straight. The paint would fall off if you looked at it. You know, there was there was all sorts of issues. And i got to say, the paint's still not very good. You know, the, the, right, okay. there isn't the same care applied to it as our others. Now, this is the talk about quality. When they started producing them in China, rather than just in California, and I think they've since left California because Elon Musk fell out with somebody. They're now in Texas. The Chinese ones are much better. Much better. The panels are straight, thing, doors close, you know, all the interior stuff, it doesn't squeak. All the problems that they had with the sort of initial run of vehicles. I'm willing to overlook that a little bit, or was willing to overlook that a little bit, because they're a new vehicle manufacturer. And I think if you are BMW or Ford or General Motors or Rolls-Royce or someone like that, Aston Martin, you have decades, sometimes 100 years in companies like Mercedes, 100 years plus experience in building vehicles. So to a certain extent, you can overlook it. But after, and they've been in the market, what now, 15 years, 12 to 15 years, something like that now? The time a long is right, time, especially mainstream. Yeah, and it's such a mainstream vehicle, and they have been the best-selling car in the UK, for example, for a number of months. So it's it's a mainstream car. If you go for a drive anywhere in the country, you'll see two or three, you know, uh, when you're out and about. So it, it's not good enough really anymore. So uh, you know, it's a fair argument. Uh, they're so popular, especially at work, you know, because they're on the car lists and it's an electric car. The company car tax is fantastic. They're very they're fast. Really they crash very well. You know, there's a lot to recommend them, but I, I have to think Elon is costing them sales at the moment with his approach to things. But that's that's a whole other thing. I just want to finish our little thought here because we've gone down a rabbit hole again. Is that this from the article? This is the electric vehicles 19.3 call this year. What time do authorities step in? I think I asked this question last year, last week. Yeah. Stop. I think it was our follow-up to go and see what the software sign-off process was for vehicles, and we haven't done that. Whoops. I'll make it BMW, very good software sign-off process, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, because they don't change it. Much. (laughs) Okay, next up then, we've got emergency SOS via satellite. So this is now live, I think, in America, and it's coming to the UK soon. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do the explainer-in-chief bit. The iPhones 14, I think the Pro and the non-Pro, have a new feature built into them where you, if you are out of cellular service and out of Wi-Fi service and you trigger an emergency, and I thought it's quite cool, in America you dial 911 and that triggers the emergency so you don't need to go through any sort of wizards or anything to do it. It will just trigger the emergency satellite part of this. Will be is available in the US now, and we didn't know what was going to happen with this, but coming to France, Germany, and Ireland in the next month, so that's December. And UK. Did I not say UK? Sorry. So yeah, it's coming soon, which is cool because I didn't think we were getting it for a while, and it's great. I wouldn't mind just to to try out the snazzy demo. Hmm. Well, you'll be able to, and you'll be able to give us feedback on how it works. Because there's some thought about, is it a CAN demo, or does it actually do a lot of sort of connections and and check it out? Well, I'll try it when I'm in the basement at work, which is where you're going to get no signal whatsoever. But I I I think it's cool. I think it's a great feature. It's Apple at their best. And the fact they've done it when you do 911 is fantastic. That's just a very simple way of, no, oh no, not how do I activate it? I just do what I do in an emergency, and it kicks in. Yeah, because it's not straightforward. I think you need to point it, align it, it needs to find satellites. It takes a bit of time. I mean, it's trying to find something that's doing thousands of miles an hour up in space that's like 200 miles above us or something like that. So it's an impressive thing to be able to do on, you know, a five-inch device or something like that to to be able to connect satellites. So it's very cool. It's cool as a demo. It's cool it's coming to the UK. What we don't know yet is what the ultimate cost of this will be because they hinted, well, they didn't hint, they flat out said there will be a subscription for this in the future. I kind of hope 
and they just roll this into Apple One. I think that's perfectly so reasonable. Yeah, it feels like they should. It's just a value add of maybe it's more about retention a year from now. Of okay, uh, we want to retain as many people. How do we do it? We throw some more things in. Yeah, perfectly reasonable. I'd be with that. Good. Not a lot more to say about that story, except this is the best thing about the iPhone 14, either of them, I'd say at this point. And I'm glad it's coming to the UK and it'd be nice to have a bit more detail on how it all works, really. I think one of the best things is the camera. Fantastic. But then I didn't have the iPhone 13. One thing we haven't talked about, and it's not in our, our little show notes here, is that there's not going to be enough iPhone 14s for Chris, iPhone 14 Pros for Christmas. Did you see this? No, I did not, but that's a great excuse. I can tell my wife why I didn't buy one. <laughs> it's they're, they're not going to be able to make enough. If you wanted one in time for Christmas, you should have ordered it yeah. a couple of weeks back, apparently. Oh, really? There's supply constraint already? There's supply constraint already. Mostly because of the shutdowns in China. They're trying to do the zero COVID policy. And there was an outbreak at one of the Apple factories, I presume one of the Foxconn factories. So no more iPhone 14 Pros. Big gap in the supply chain. Get one now if you can. Yeah, if you can. There'll probably be some out in the in the channel or in, in shops on high streets, I guess. I would have thought so. Okay, we're all right. Next up then. So Disney now for a change of pace. So Disney has gone back to its old CEO, which is interesting, which doesn't happen that often. So they replaced Bob Iger in 2020 and they've with a guy called, what's his name? Bob Chepek. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. And they've now, he's now gone and Iger's back in, which is a bit bizarre. It is a bit bizarre. I mean, Disney Plus doesn't seem to be doing badly. Disney as a company doesn't seem to be doing badly. We don't follow their earnings reports in the same way we do some of the tech brands here. But I've had no perception that Disney is a failing brand in any way, shape, manner, or form. Marvel certainly seems to be doing them no harm at all. And now that there's Star Wars on Disney Plus, there's a lot of content, that's for sure. I think there is a lot of content. I think Disney Plus will succeed if they just keep it going, keep throwing content. Like my children have got become addicted to The Simpsons, which is interesting. So they're going to Disney Plus a lot for that, which is great. But it's it notes in here that both its parks and media divisions fail to reach analyst estimates. And if you don't reach the analyst estimates, that's normally a, a slippery slope, isn't it? The parks you can understand during COVID and, and the rest of it, there's going to be a, a disinclination of people to be sitting roller coasters next to each other or wearing a mask while you fly around on some roller coaster. is probably not the most appealing thing. So I kind of get that. I don't know what the split is between them. but Yeah, I don't disagree. Maybe just just didn't fit kind of thing in that it's just the wrong person to run the company. It's hard to know until somebody does it, whether they're going to be the right fit or the wrong fit. Yeah, Iger is apparently also the company's largest shareholder, so maybe he just thinks he can do better. Or got bored in retirement. <laughs> maybe. I mean, he didn't think there was enough stuff in Disney+. Plus. Maybe the show he wants hasn't been made, so he's stepped in to make sure he gets his thing made. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, it's interesting just to comment on it. I it like is, Disney+. Plus. It is interesting. Well, we might talk about them a little bit later on as well. But yeah, it is interesting to see how these things go because they're all so interconnected these days. And, and going back not so long ago, Steve Jobs was on Disney's board. So there is an Apple-Disney connection. Or well, Disney own everything, don't they? Disney do own everything is a fact. Good. Last story is the a new browser I've come across called Arc. The Verge did a feature on it last week. There's a public or there's a private beta you can apply to be part of. I managed to get on the beta and I've downloaded it. It's a Chrome-based browser. Have a read of the article. It's quite interesting. They're trying to do something a little bit different with the browser. At the end of the day, it's still a browser, but they're sort of trying to integrate tabs are on the left-hand side, for example. It's got some social stuff. It's got some, you can permanently pin tabs. You can do tab groups in the same way I know you do in Safari. It has this concept of an easel where you can sort of, 
in the, the new notes app from apple you've been talking about sort of an unlimited canvas where you can do things it's got that built into it so it's just it's got some interesting ideas really the fact that it's behind a sort of a, a beta process at the moment i'm okay with i've still to make it default because i've only had it on there a couple of days and i tend to sort of fall back to firefox but i might try and sort of eat my own dog food and, and mainline it for a week and see where we are did you just say you're on firefox yep and that's perfectly normal I think it is. I was. I talked. I talked a lot about Brave, and I still think Brave is a great browser. It's a Chrome-based browser. I stopped using it because of their sort of pushing towards Bitcoin and those kinds of investments for things. There seemed to be a real sort of push towards things. So I still use the Brave search engine, but I use Firefox. I guess we're all weird in our own little ways. I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine, for example. This does look good, and I really wanted to try it, but it's not on the iPad. And I've noticed in the article. They're going to get it out to Windows next year. I was like, oh, you could have done the iPad by now. If you've got the Mac one, just, just push the button, get it out on the Mac. But I, I guess then it's got, you can't use Chrome and it's got to use WebKit, WebKit. as its browser engine. So maybe it is more work, but I'd like to try it. Exactly. I mean, one of the things I like about it is it is clearly a Mac first app. You know, it looks it looks Mac-y. It has a distinctive user interface. It's, it's quite well thought out from that point of view. I like the fact when you open a tab, it just asks you to search for something within the tab you're looking at or just open the new you know, URL based on what's in there. So there's a few little things that are quite well thought without it. And as it's a Chrome-based browser, all the plugins for Chrome work with it. So my 1Password extension works, for example. So it's just a good thing. I think it's worth having a read through the article just to see something slightly innovative in the browser space because they're all pretty much the same. You know, you can swap from Firefox to Safari to Brave, you know, without, without it being massively impactful. And you can get on. And as long as the websites are looking at load, which they pretty much do these days in all of them, it's worth a go. Chrome, I would say, is the most compatible of all of them because they build for people build for Chrome. This just seemed like something worth trying out, so I thought I'd give it a go. Yeah, a couple of notes, I guess. One, I've never really, I've never really got Chrome because I've never really been a Google person, so Chrome just never made much sense. I used to use Firefox back in the day, but it seemed to have largely dropped off more recently. I do quite like Edge when I use Windows, so it's quite good. They've got lots of syncing in there, so that, which is great in the corporate space because if you, you know, for whatever reason, you have to replace your device. You can sync all your tabs, all your folders, all your bookmarks, all your browsing history, and you just get a new laptop, sign in with your corporate account, and there's all my corporate data, which I thought was quite neat. What they did introduce to Edge about a year ago, I'm going to say, is vertical tabs, as you mentioned here, where you've got a list down the side. I quite like that. So I quite like everything I'm seeing, and I would love, I would genuinely love to try it, because I was thinking quite recently, getting a bit bored of Safari, because I wouldn't mind a change, just something a bit different. Well, this is why I went back to Firefox, really, because Firefox is the thing that convinced me to switch away from, I guess it was Internet Explorer back in the day, really, is, is, what, is what was there. Edge is also a Chrome-based browser, of course. You know, under under the hood, it uses that. It wasn't, but they transitioned. They transitioned, recently. yeah. So Chrome is definitely sort of lingua franca of the, of the web, for sure. It is interesting sort of switching back to something like Firefox. It does things really well. It's really fast. I mean, I'd say it's faster than Chrome and Safari. They do have so many extensions to do things like, you know, the vertical tabs that you're talking about there. You can install that kind of thing in Firefox. I just fancied giving something else a try, and particularly one that wasn't Chrome-based for a little while, just to see how I'd get on with that. And i got to say, Firefox is a good old reliable browser. There's lots and lots to like about it. It does many, many things well. And it is the most important part of your computer in many ways these days, or your iPad. You, you know, the, the web browser is the first thing that needs to be there, reliable, sync your bookmarks, whatever particular feature it is you're looking for a browser, it's got to be there and work 100% of the time every time. So find the thing you're happy with and stay with it. And I'm with you. Safari's kind of dull. 
but I guess it's got such a user base that when they try and move things, people get upset. It is a bit dull now, but you're right. I, even on my iPad, I use the web browser so much for nearly everything I do because it's all web-based. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting and I'll, I will say, like I say, try and make it default and see how I get on with it. But I just thought it was worth feeding back on. You have to make it default. Otherwise, you won't use it and you'll step out of it. The only problem I have, I think if it did come to the iPad, I wouldn't be able to use it for work because of how we sign in. You can only use Safari for work-based activities, which is a little frustrating. That is slightly annoying. I have just discovered I've got a gift arc to a friend link in my arc thing at the top. I could pass it on to one person, but you're an iPad guy, so I can't pass it on. It would be pointless giving it to me. I would give it to somebody that actually uses their Mac. Fair enough. Good stuff. I think that's it for news this week. Yeah, generally quiet on the Eastern Front, and it's nice to avoid Twitter. <laughs> There's been a lot going on there, but maybe we'll wait another week and sum up. If we do that every two weeks rather than week, it moves too fast. You can't keep up. You're at a date. Five yeah, we, we could have a two-week Twitter check-in. And, uh, are we still using it yet? Well, I think we could do a, a daily Twitter update podcast, frankly, the way it's going at the moment, but that's for another time. I think it would make us very sad. It would. Moving on. Media. So I've got... Well, I've got three things on the list of things for us to talk about. I, I noticed you haven't got any. I guess it's been a busy week. You got anything you want to talk about or shall I just plow on? I watched Clint Eastwood. Oh, what's the one where he protects the president as a secret service agent? Line of duty. Line of duty, line of fire. Line, line of fire, line and, of fire. Oh, he, John, Malkovich. John, John Malkovich. John Malkovich, thank you. I did watch that recently, but it's quite old and retro. But in HD, HD or 4K, it looked pretty good, actually. It aged all right, but I don't know why I just... Just, yeah, fancy watching something a bit different. So I did watch that recently. Fair enough. It's a good film. I don't really remember. I, I also, I've had a bit of a tear this week. I also watched Enemy of the State, Gene Hackman and Will Smith. Wow, you have gone old school. Stood up reasonably well. Will I Smith. Mm. I, I didn't mind in that because it just reminded me of late 90s films. He didn't slap anyone, no. No, there were some things he said which probably wouldn't be in the script more recently. And I also watched, and I think you'll approve of this one, because I quite like Tony Scott as a director, and I think you do. And it was Spy Game with Brad Pitt, who is also a controversial-ish person, and Robert Redford. But I love that film. I think it's fantastic. It's set in 24 hours, telling the story of how Brad Pitt became a spy and trying to get him released because the government don't want to do it, and they're trying to get out of it. And just fantastic film, very simple film. But love it. So I had three retro films. So whilst I didn't watch a lot, I didn't think, but I managed to pile in three films this week. That's pretty good going, actually. That's 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 not bad at all. I haven't seen Spy Game. I gotta say, uh, you've never seen Spy Game. I've never seen Spy Game. Do you like Tony Scott? You've not seen Bad Boys Two. I mean, I'm sorry. I got to bring that to a hot fuzz reference. That's that was that kind of kind of voice you hit me with there. I got it. You, you've not seen Spy. I thought you'd like Spy Game. It's, it's one that's managed to miss me. And don't get me wrong, I quite like Brad Pitt. I know he's a controversial figure. I quite like Robert Redford. You know, so there's, there's nothing there not to, and I like Tony Scott. So there's nothing there not to like. I just, it's one that never sort of, I came across. I can't explain why I like it, but I do. And I can't, do quite like a film that's based within sort of 24 hours. I don't know why. I've seen Margin Call as well, which is about the stock exchange about to collapse in 2008. And it's fantastic. And again, it's within a 24 hour period. And it's quite a dull content of you know a company trying to offload all its shares and stocks and stuff but fantastic anyway you i would recommend spy game i generally enjoy it it's one of my favorite films fair enough i mean i remember enjoying i, 
I remember enjoying Enemy of the State, and I think that sort of paranoia thing's very much in line with what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with privacy and, and what you've got to do within that. So from that point of view, I could I could definitely go with rewatching Enemy of the State. And anything with Gene Hackman is generally gold. And I thought it stood up. Like, the quality was... I, did, I think I've got it on iTunes. For, it was either 4K or HD. But even the HD stuff on iTunes is pretty good if you've got a good TV. I thought it stood up really well. And I like the way it's directed quite quick and it's I it's just really well done i quite i quite enjoyed it and it the whole paranoia thing yeah it's quite interesting 20 years later because i think it was a bit ahead of its time in in the surveillance sort of state piece so and but both are spy game and enemy of the state are kind of surveillance based spy yeah. espionage we've obviously sent you on like a deep state sort of thing because in the line of fire has has that sort of backplot to it as well i mean he's a crazy but he's got an agenda so uh, apple and privacy sent you down a, a rat hole of your own there chris yeah, I can't explain. I just wanted to cache a few films on my iPad as I was traveling in a way. And I thought, oh, just, I don't know. I just fancy a bit of nostalgia. Fair enough. I'm mostly about the TV as usual this week. So I'll just give a shout out to Andor. I said it was an outstanding episode the week before last. Last week's was also excellent. I'm looking forward to, I think it's the finale this week. So 12 episodes of Andor. Absolute cl- class. Total quality. I can't say enough good things about it. If you only watch one Star Wars thing this year, it should be that. That's all I'm going to say, really. I didn't watch it, but I watched three other films instead, so I could have probably caught up in that time. You probably could have. So that was Andor. I also, as part of my all-four trial, I managed to download through my VPN. VPNs are a good thing. Great British Bake Off while I was in Italy. So I downloaded that I to my iPad, and I watched that on the plane on the way back between Milan and Amsterdam. That's a nice way to pass a flight, i got to say. Great British Bake Off is it's a, it's a warm hug of a TV show. It was the final, so I wanted to get it watched so I wouldn't have any spoilers by the time I got back to the UK. Who won was who I thought was going to win, I must say. But, you know, that worked flawlessly. Look good. My iPad sounded good. Special audio caught me out again a few times. I turned my head and I was, you know, the bakers were coming out of one ear or the other as I was turning my head. So that was quite good fun. Yeah, nice thing to do. I haven't seen any of the Bake Off. I think I've seen the first one this year. I've met all the contestants and I can't remember any of them. You've and met all I the really contestants? I really enjoy it. You've met well, all on the first, on the first one, uh, on I the first episode. I... So I've seen them all and I can't remember them. And I usually like watching them with my children, but I've been away so much I've barely seen it. And I'm gutted because it's a good family bit of TV, I thought. Well, this was it. And this, this was the reason we started watching it back in the day was it was something nobody could argue about. <laughs> you know, we all quite enjoyed it. Agreed, same in our house. Yeah, and like I said, particularly at the start of lockdown in 2020, it came on just about the same time, and it literally was that hug of a TV show. So I have a lot of time for for GBBO. Agreed. My children like Noel Fielding and Matt Lucas because they just do those funny skits and they find them hilarious, and it does work for all, all families of all ages. I think it, it does. It does. I, I, I won't analyze the bacon too much because I'm not much of a baker, but I, I had opinions this year about some of the choices. But good final, nice people, you know. Good TV show and works well on your iPad. So that that was GBBO. And then the last thing was I finally made it to the cinema to see the new Marvel extravaganza, Black Panther 2. So I went to the local view. As it, no, I didn't. I went to local Odeon. First time in the Odeon for a while and watched that with my youngest daughter. Great film. If you're familiar with the Black Panther story, unfortunately, the, the main actor who was playing Black, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, died of cancer last year. And... The film is basically a whole a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. His his presence is felt his lack of presence is felt large for the film. The Marvel title start it's very quiet. There's no music. It's just showing Chadwick Boseman in a variety of things. They call out to him every so often, and they treat him as having died in universe as well. He got a disease and he died in universe as well. So it's a really sort of moving tribute to it. I wouldn't say I was in floods of tears, but I definitely welled up in a couple of places for the way that they did it. I don't want to give any spoilers to the film. It's well made. 
it's good. It's well acted. The music's fantastic. It's very colourful. The bad guy is believable and you can get behind his motivations and all the rest of it. If you liked the first Black Panther film, I think this is a, a solid update and so some good set pieces as well. A bit CGI heavy, but aren't all the Marvel films a bit CGI heavy, but thoroughly enjoyed it. This will really shock you, but I've never seen either. My head is in my hands. But I have watched Spy Game a lot. <laughs> you got Disney Plus, right? Yeah. What's stopping you watching the MCU films? You like a film. Even You keep telling me, I like a film and not a TV show. They're all films. I do like a film. I don't know why I haven't watched it. I did watch a lot of the Marvel Universe up to about Captain America in lockdowns one, two, and part of three. And then got hang bored. On, hang on. Whoa, whoa. Which Captain America? The Captain America film. I don't know what it's called. The first one. So that's like it's the... I think that's the third film in the series. Possibly the second film in the series of MCU films. No, like yeah. Iron Man and... Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. I'm pretty sure of the order they go in. There'll be some frantic Googling going on in the background. Yeah, while while Chris is frantically looking up the, the release dates and the order of the MCU yeah, films you're meant to be doing in, I'd recommend going... If you like the first Black Panther, go and see the second one. So, Any immediate feedback for us, Chris, or shall I move on and we'll circle back? Wikipedia is not my friend. Let's move on. Tell us, we'll move on to games and I'll do a little bit of Googling while you tell us about the FIFA digital option. Oh, FIFA digital, nice and simple in that we said I was trying to find FIFA digitally and I have found it with a controller for £70 in the UK, which is not bad because the controller is normally 50 60 and FIFA is normally 50 60 So it feels quite a good price and it does come with a digital code. So that, that was all. It's kind of follow-up slash games. Fair enough. That's a good bit of follow-up. So immediate follow-up to you. You're, you're slightly right and you're slightly wrong. Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger. So it's the fifth one. No, I swear I watched way more than that. Iron Man 2008, Incredible Hulk 2008, Iron Man 2, April 2010, Thor, April 2011, Captain America, The First Avenger, July 2011. Are you sure it was the first one and not the second one or the third one? It must have been Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Right, so that's the second one. I tried Guardians of the Galaxy, couldn't get into it. It's less, we're getting dragged back into media. You're very wrong. Guardians of the Galaxy is tremendous. I just couldn't get into it. I don't know. Just, I can't explain it. It didn't click. Fair enough. Anyway, thank you for sharing about the FIFA digital option with us. I'm, I'm glad that you found it for that price after the, the, tr- the tribbles and tribulations you had with it last week. I've only got, well, I've got two things to talk about this week briefly. One is I'm always on about Slay the Spire. There is a competitor to Slay the Spire, which has been available on PlayStation, PC, and Xbox for a while now. It's called Monster Train. It's like Slay the Spire over multiple levels, over three levels rather than just one. I just discovered it came out to... It's on iOS and iPadOS, so that was a nice little find. I think it was $6.99 or $8.99 when I bought it. Money well spent. Fantastic. Delighted to have something alternative to Slay the Spire when I've had... I can't, I've had all I can stand of that particular thing. It's a lot faster. It's a bit different strategy that's involved but the basic concept's the same you play cards against bad guys comes together quite well the music is fantastic the concept is good so i just recommend if you're looking for if anybody's been triggered by my continually going on about slay the spire and now fancy something a bit different or in the same sort of line monster train is worth a look i've not seen it not heard of it not played it but it's not threes i'm still playing that (laughs) fair enough anyway that's Um, i nearly beat my top score yesterday that, that's right you know you find time to play threes you should try some of these other things as well i like comfort i, yeah, I the, think that's the problem i like 
things that make me comfortable. Do you get screen time on threes? Do, will it get, or does it just class it as games on your devices? You ask a very good question. You're going to go and look. You go and look at that while I talk about the next thing. This, this, there's lots of live Googling going on in the show tonight. So the other thing is I've got an honourable mention to Call of Duty 2. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I should say. So it's been out for a couple of weeks now. I've talked about it on the show before, how I've been playing the initial release. Well, the big release is finally out now. They've released Warzone 2, which is a free download if you can find the right link to download it from. So it's a Battle Royale game. I played a lot of the first Warzone when it came out, and it's a lot of fun. More fun with friends, if you can find some to play with. You drop it in squads of four, you do a thing, you try and get to it before the gas closes on you. Battle Royale, Fortnite is more or less the same. Apex Legends is more or less the same. This time... They've updated the graphics and all the rest of it. More or less, that concept is still the same. But alongside of it, they have released a thing called Warzone DMZ, which is sort of a raid-style game. So not your Battle Royale. You drop in, you got to complete missions, get money, get weapon blueprints or whatever, and get out again. Also, with friends is better. I just thought that was quite interesting, they're trying something different. It's been quite well-received. I think there's both AI players in it and other players. So you can play a mix of humans and AI for what's going on. Bit different and like I say, free. So if anybody who's been thinking of trying out uh, Call of Duty or Warzone or something like that, it's probably quite a good jumping off point. Available on PS4, PS5, Xbox, and PC. How's your Googling gone? So last week I may or may not have played threes for three hours and thirty-six minutes. That's how it's last Monday to Sunday. Friday was obviously a bad day. <laughs> I played it every day. <laughs> that is fantastic. Three hours and thirty-six minutes in a week. That is fantastic. I was away quite a bit. Oh, no, you're sat on trains. I get it. I get it. I might have a dig out myself and see how much Slay the Spire I played on planes and things like that too. But 3 hours 36, you could have watched two MCU movies in that time. I did use messages for a whole hour more, which, frankly, why am I doing the messages for four hours in a week? We should probably, for those that don't know, talk about screen time at some point. In fact, we might talk about it a little bit later on in this very podcast, but what the point of it is, and if it's come up on your iPhone, your iPad, or even your Mac these days, what the purpose of it is, but it's just to give you an idea how long you've been spending in apps. My, my work life's quite interesting. I spent 16 hours on Teams and 14 hours in Outlook. So my working week is Teams and Outlook. Teams and Outlook. So my phone gives me one hour, 19 minutes in Outlook. I don't do a lot on my phone, to be honest. 52 minutes in Slack, which is my equivalent of, of Teams. 47 minutes in Zoom. And then even on my phone, I've managed to spend 39 minutes looking at Microsoft Word. Go me. <clears throat> Hey, this was my iPad and my phone, so this was all in. Right, interesting. That's uh, actually uh, that's I'm probably only looking at today, aren't I? <laughs> Being as it's Monday and it resets on a Monday. Oh, uh, if you scroll down, it's a bit weird. You can then scroll backwards in weeks. Yeah, this this isn't making the most thrilling podcast, is it? Frankly, we should maybe no, do that. Should we move on? Then? Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, okay. So that was that. The last item is yours on the PlayStation Black Friday sale. Oh, I was just going to say. The PlayStation Black Friday sale is now on. I haven't bought anything yet, but they, again, they've got FIFA on it and I'm looking for my son's birthday, but I've not found a way I can buy it and hide it. You know, like the sneaking into the loft that you do as a parent. So I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's, that's a quandary. We did talk about that last week, but good luck. I, I, I think hide it in the library and hope he doesn't go there is probably your best option. Yeah, I think that, I think that might be. It's for his birthday, so it's not too bad. And it's not as far away as Christmas. Fair enough. There we go. We can call that a wrap-up for games. Should we move on to the main show? Yeah, so I think we've got two things, haven't we? Two things. The main show. So the first one was me asking you a question. So I was talking to my children. We talk about one of them going to secondary school next September. 
I was trying to work out, well, what, I think I mentioned this on the show, what device should he be having access to? And then part of me was like, why don't I just set them up with profiles for each of them on my Mac and get them using a Mac? They don't have web browser on their iPads. They use them largely for games and they can use it for note-taking, drawing pictures, that that kind of thing. And then I thought, well, the Mac is a Mac mini. It's, you know, it's a desktop, it's got a screen, it's in a family room. Maybe if they are going to start using the open internet, it's a good way for them to start using it because it's not on a device that they're cowered over. I could probably put some parental controls on it. But, you know, maybe just start learning browse the internet, maybe have a bit of YouTube. They've got headphones they can wear and just start getting them used to more mouse, keyboard, you know, the wider world before anybody infects them with a Windows device. So that was kind of, kind of what I was thinking. And I thought, well, what should I be doing if I'm going to set this Mac up for them? Because my Aero system that I love a lot just restricts devices down to different parental settings, if that's what you want to do. And I was like, well, maybe I could just, like I said, add a profile because I've They've already got Apple accounts or Apple IDs where they have their iPads. And I just thought maybe, you know, this could be a way of just broadening their horizons, but they could still log in as them and have their own area on it and have their own folder and just get them used to what, you know, like a normal desktop laptop computer is like. Any advice, settings, any ideas? Yeah, I'd go with that. I think them having a computer, and I won't class an iPad as a computer in this. Age. You're 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 an edge case because you're used to computers and you can work around the limitations that an iPad gives you. To me, they've got to learn how a computer works, and be that a Windows computer or a Mac or something like that. They need to understand it's not just apps. You can install things. You can call for this. And it doesn't all necessarily just come from the magic store in the sky that they come from. You need to manipulate it in a different way. I think that's valuable lessons for, for anybody to go forward. So I would very much endorse a computer rather than an iPad. There is a place for iPads, absolutely. But when you're learning and your brain's like a sponge, I think, you know, you and I both came that route, frankly, you know, with whatever computers we had back in the day through Windows, through Macs and all the rest of it, it stood us in good stead for general com- computation and things. And I, 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 I've experienced some of the kids and some of the, the, you know, Anna's stories from being at university and what their abilities are with computers and how restricted are the ones that have only come up through sort of iPads and tablets and things like that. So my advice would be very much learn a computer, you know, it's, it, there's an operating system. This is how you install things potentially. This is how you restricted. This is a web browser. You know, this is how you do X, Y, and Z. I think that's really important because they'll be expected that they know that stuff. I don't think the curriculums have caught up with the fact that there are tablets and, and all the rest of it now. It doesn't hurt them to know what a computer is and how to use it. That'd be my first thought. My second kind thought, of in the same kind yeah. of in the same place. And I quite like the idea that it's fixed. You know, it's a desktop computer. You can't break the hinge on a laptop. You know, you can't take it away and go browse the internet up in your room on your own. You you sit there in our family room as we call it. And you can play on it. Like I say, you can plug headphones in if you want to watch a video or what have you. I just thought it was a way of broadening their horizons. And there's literally zero cost to this because I've got a Mac Mini sat there. I barely use the thing. I've debated selling it. And I thought, actually, might be a good way of them doing it. And also then when homework starts kicking in that needs a computer at the moment, their homework doesn't need a device. It's then a device they can use. It's quite capable. Don't have a webcam on it, but obviously that that's a problem we can overcome if they need anything. But it has got, you know, it's got a nice screen on it, it's got a 4K screen on it, so it's it's a good bit of kit. Should they have a trackpad or a magic mouse? That's the question, because I have both. Well, I'll just say continuity camera and Ventura webcam. That's a good idea. Yep. So if you've got an old iPhone kicking about, that's that problem solved. Should they have a mouse or a trackpad? Well, you could do both. 
I keep a mouse. I keep a mouse on the right side of my screen and a trackpad on the left, and, and I'm left-handed. Not that that makes any difference. I use a mouse on my right hand, but that works quite well for me. I think Max, it's nice to have the fluency, and if they're able to use both, job's good. Yeah, it's probably like you say, some life skills because you you also kind of want to teach them to learn how to type quickly. I wish I learned to do it more because we still type a lot now, but I've never learned to touch type properly. Hmm. So skills like that and just general, this is how you use a mouse. This is how you get around the OS. This is where the menus are. You know, just some basics there. Well, like I say, I mean, the anecdote from from my daughter starting university and being told go away and install R. You know, if, the, if for those kids that rock up at university have only touched an iPad or a Google tablet or something, an Android tablet, where do you even start with that? I mean, they won't have any concept on how to install software components. And not necessarily giving you access to a computer is going to teach you how to install software components, but at least you've got a mental model that it fits into. Where you, I visit here, I download this, I have to get a password or get my dad to put in a password to do this for me. I mean, we'll talk about accounts and things setting up in a minute. But... I, I think it is a life skill going forward, and it's not got any easier. I think the iPad has muddied the waters in some ways around this kind of stuff. Because like you say, your job, you're very fortunate. You do email, you do browsing, you do Teams. You've got all the things you need on there, but not every job is like that. Uh, uh, and not every approach to life is like that. It's not going to fit that model. So I think it's a healthy thing to do. I think I agree on the healthy thing, because part of me is thinking, oh, you know, second school, you probably could just get away with an iPad. But he wants to be an engineer, and... He probably is going to want to do more with the computer or modeling or, or whatever it may be that he ends up doing in the future. So I think I'm there in my head. And like I say, it's, this is zero cost. So why wouldn't we do this? And we can restrict it down a little bit for them. Yeah. And, so and maybe it's a good way to get them into email as well. And, you know, th- th- those are things they haven't really dealt with yet. Definitely. So and then my inclination would be to set them up new accounts on the machine profiles of their own they sign in as them they don't share your account those profiles are restricted they're not administrator ones so they can't install anything and you make use of the screen time app on the mac to enforce those content restrictions where you can go no restricted sites none of this none of that and you as an administrator can overrule that and say yeah you can have access to youtube you can have access to whatever the thing is that apple decides is a restricted site because i i remember doing it with my kids and it was quite a small list and you did need to go in quite a lot and allow domains and things like that within that so it's quite granular and then you can restrict them you know x amount of time and apps in the same way that you can with it with, with the uh, ipad and the iphone as well so i think that's all quite useful i think we're in the same place so set up the account as their own which i, I think i do they've got apple ids for their ipad so they'll all link you know sync messages sync if they were using a web browser email but i am keen to start getting them on email and, and what have you because i think it's it's just something they need to understand and learn about this how you send an email to somebody and anybody can send you an email even though you don't know them and, you know all, all of that business is what you do with it so okay i think we're in the same place so i'll try it out in a few weeks and report back yeah it's a good thing to report back on about how they found it and the really interesting thing will be do they choose the computer or do they stick on their ipads because they've got fifa on there or whatever I could see my eldest using it because he just wants to go and look at Amazon and look at stuff he can buy, like like electrical components and things like that he wants to get. And he, we could give him access to Amazon quite easily. We could do it on his iPad, to be fair, but I kind of like the idea if he's going to have the internet, if he's got it on a screen we can see, and just a little worry what he might go off and start looking at. It's a problem, but at least you've got some level of restriction with the content restrictions that he's not going to end up on yeah. some, you know. There's a lot of dodgy stuff out there on the internet, isn't there? But that's also part of learning. Yeah, but that can come when he's not 11. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and, uh, but at some point, they're going to have to to face it. And whether it's 11 or whether it's 43, who knows? But you know, it's out there. 
Yep, no, fair point. Good stuff. Okay, moving on. I just thought it might be quite fun to think about a few items of what you might want to get in your Christmas stocking or what advice we'd give for people looking to buy loved ones, family members, themselves on a couple of areas that aren't necessarily all Apple, but just sort of things we enjoy, things we'd recommend. Won't be a surprise to any sort of long-time listeners of the podcast, but just have a bit of a debate about some sort of topics we thought were interesting. This isn't our, we might do an app of the year, you know, program of the year, device of the year type thing come come Christmas time, just as a, a bit of fun when there's not a lot of news between Christmas and New Year. I just thought it would be quite an interesting thing to do and make some recommendations, particularly with Black Friday coming up, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. If you are in the market to get something for someone or for yourself, this would just be our sort of recommendations. Good plan? Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea. And um, Black Friday isn't Friday anymore, is it? It's more like Black Friday week. Well, Black, Monday week. Black Friday month it's looking like at this case. My inbox is full of spam offers trying to get me to buy X, Y, and Z. Unsubscribe from everything. Done. Okay, so we'll start with mobile gaming, are we? Start with mobile gaming. So our topics are mobile gaming, consoles, mobile computing, headphones, and streaming services. And then just if you've got no imagination and you can't think of anything else to buy. So I thought they were good things. For, and if people want to see more things, if we do this again at some point in the future, by all means, suggest that things you'd like us to cover. Home home equipment, home kit, you know, buying smart plugs, all that kind of stuff. There's lots of things we're happy to talk about, as you as you'll be more than aware of after listening to his witter on. So, yeah. Very topical. A friend of mine was over and I turned on my lights with my phone. And he was like, how did you do that? And I was like, I've just got a couple of smart sockets. So I think maybe we could do a home section. Maybe once matters settle down, we, we, we could get some stuff and comment on it. I think it would be a good thing. And you think, you know, Christmas tree lights and all that kind of stuff. How do you turn them on? Can you get app control? Well, there's lots of stuff we could do in that space too. But for now, we've got a few topics and let's kick off with that. So mobile gaming. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, why not? So we've got a few options here, haven't we? We've got a Switch, an iPad, a Steam Deck, a Playdate, an Evercade. I don't know what one of those is. So an Evercade, and you'll notice it's in both the mobile gaming and the console sections, is a retro gaming device. So the idea is you can buy Neo Geo or gamepad things or, or Game Boy things and actually play the classic thing on these devices. So it's like an officially endorsed emulator, hardware emulator. for, for... Is this one that's got the better screen on it so it makes old games look really good? Yep. I'll put links in the show notes to what they are. They're about, well, both of them are about 100 odd quid. Uh, and then the ca- the cartridges and things like that, which normally contain more than one game at a time, are are quite expensive. But it's definitely an option if you're really into your old-fashioned games. The Evercade, both the console and, and the handheld one, are, are reasonable options for people. Okay, I'll take a look. I'm amazed you put iPad in here, because you're not the biggest iPad fan. I'd say no for the iPad for gaming. My children like to play on it. But the games just aren't, then they're in a different league, I would suggest. The iPad is a great device if you want it for a bit of everything. I think a little bit of gaming, a bit of media consumption, and maybe a bit of content creation. But I wouldn't buy it solely for a gaming device. That's interesting because there are a lot of games on it. And, you know, we've just been talking about Monster Train, for example, which is available on lots of consoles. You can get things like XCOM on there, you can get things like Civilization on there. So I agree with you. It's. It's it's more it's closer to a computer device than a pure gaming device, but it has got an app store. Games are a significant part of the app store. Apple Arcade is a thing, so I thought I'd put it in there as an outside show. I think it is on the outside, and I'm a big iPad guy. I've got an Apple, I've got Apple Arcade, but I just don't think the quality of games is. If you're looking for a dedicated gaming device, I wouldn't say that's it. I think you buy it because it does a plethora of things, not not that one thing. Whereas you would buy a Switch or a Steam Deck or a Playdate whenever Cade, because it does the one thing. Now, in this one, I would recommend the Switch as my recommendation. I love my Switch. I've had it for donkey's years. 
is fantastic and the sheer range of games and the app store or game store or even nintendo store i believe they call it is fantastic and if you're wise you buy things at the right time you usually get them discounted because they do lots of sales black friday sales on already that would be my preference and it also falls into the other category in that you can dock it and plug it up to the tv the graphics aren't the best they never were when it came out they haven't got any better over four years really but it is a fantastic device you can sometimes put one up cheaper second hand as well but we've got two in our house i i don't plan enough i don't play games enough generally i think for, from what i'd like to but i think it's a good device and you get such a range of games on it it's fantastic what was funny i was with my children at the weekend and i touched the screen on it to tap okay or something and my son was like i didn't know you could touch the screen <laughs> which i thought was quite amusing because they've had it for years so I, I also have a Switch. I think it's a great device. I find it, it's not my first port of call for most things. Having said that, when it comes to things like Mario and Mario Kart, which are unbelievably good games, hours and hours of fun. I've played Mario on all manner of consoles, going back all manner of time. I think it's great. Those Nintendo exclusives, obviously you can't get them anywhere else. So that's what would sort of, I, I understand the appeal there. Correct me if I'm wrong, there's two different models of, Steam, of, of Switch, aren't there? Yeah, so you've got the regular one, LCD screen, and you've got the OLED one. The OLED one comes with more internal storage of memory serves. I think it's 32 instead of 16 gig. I've got both. I've got the OLED, and my children are the poor, poorer cousins, and they only get the LCD screen. So that's not what I was kind of getting at. I know there's the OLED and the LCD, but there is the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Switch Lite. Yes, apologies. There is the Lite, and the Lite doesn't dock. And it's lighted in our IT. And they, the what they call the Joy-Cons, the controllers that are on the side of the regular Nintendo Switch, do not detach. That's a great mobile gaming device, and it only does mobile gaming, and it is cheaper, and it comes in lush colors. Fair enough. So one of the... I'm going to make a small criticism of the Switch, a couple of criticisms. The games are quite expensive. Like you say, you can get them on, on sale and all the rest of it. The... For me, the switching between users wasn't particularly seamless. You know, you buy it once, you kind of want you to buy it. It, it, it just it wasn't quite right. So I must confess, we don't do the user switching. We all play as me. We can only use one switch at a time. Otherwise, you'll buy all the games twice, which is very expensive. I thought the games were expensive when I got it. But since having a PlayStation 5, I'm feeling all right about the games on the switch because they haven't really gone up. They're sort of around 40 to 50 pounds for most new titles. But if you can wait, they do obviously drop. And Nintendo do a thing. I think it's about £80, and it gives you two vouchers to go and buy two top-tier games, largely the Nintendo-based ones. So if there are two things coming out that you're after, I bought Splatoon 3 and Mario Strikers for £80 instead of £100. So there are some things, if you're a little bit canny, you can pick up. But Nintendo stuff, like Apple, seems to hold its value. Fair enough. And again, I think it's a great gaming device. My other criticism I was just going to finish on, as I know that the original Switch, mine is an original Switch, an LCD one, the Joy-Cons would drift, and it was a big problem with them that you'd get, you know, you'd think you were centered on the screen, but actually it would be continually sort of going up to the left or something like that. I don't know if they fixed that, and that would put me off the Switch Lite, because the, as you said, the Joy-Cons, the controllers on the side are fixed. At least with mine, I can throw away the Joy-Cons and get new ones, or I can pair it with a different controller or something like that. So the, the quality of the hardware slightly concerns me for it as well. Having said that, it's sat over there in a dock and has done for years, and every time I turn it on, it works. So I don't want to criticize it too much. I've had that problem, and we've got a lot of Joy-Cons. Fair enough, fair enough. It's, it's a thing. But but of the two, then, you'd, you'd advocate the standard Switch, not the Switch Lite. Tough one. I think it depends on budget and use case. Much my son, he's been playing on it handheld quite a lot lately. I think it depends on your budget yeah, and use case, but I've not used a Switch Lite, so 
I wouldn't really want to comment. Maybe, maybe what we need to do is be very explicit here. And for mobile gaming, say Switch Lite. And then for console, say Switch. Potentially. Yeah, I'd be up for that. I think the Switch Lite, they're fantastic devices. Uh, and I agree. I mean, they're a couple of hundred quid. Are they like 250 or something? I don't actually even know. That's something I should have researched. Links in the show note to the devices from the manufacturers themselves, by the way. Again, a frantic Googling will go on while we look at the cost of a Switch Lite. I was going to say 150, but... Yeah, I'm usually wrong. 100, uh, 199 pounds. 198, 199 pounds. And a variety of colors like coral and blue and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, if what you want to do is you want to play Super Mario or you want to play some of the old classic Nintendo things as retro or you want to play bang up-to-date Mario or Pokemon, a Switch is your only option, really. So I, I completely understand and I think it's it's a good choice, particularly if you've got slightly younger children that, you know, a, a, a Switch or a Switch Lite is a really sort of good move in in mobile gaming. Agreed. What about you? For me, and again, our, our choices here were Switch slash Switch Lite, the Steam Deck, the Play Date, which I noticed you didn't mention, and the Evercade. To me, the Steam Deck is the only real choice in this, but I, I feel I may be biased in this. So it's a complicated device. I think if you've ever run a gaming PC, you'll be very comfortable with the Steam Deck because more than anything, it's a well-built piece of hardware. You can pair it to anything that's you know that's around there. You can connect computers to it. You can plug your TV into it. It's a USB-C connection. You can put it a stream on a stream. It's got good enough battery. I don't think it's as good as a Switch. You only get five hours depending on the game or something like that. The screen could be a little bit better. But what it gives me is access to a huge number of games in my Steam library, most of which work. They have a little check mark next to them. So the flexibility of that, of effectively you've got a gaming PC in your hand that you can then go and play Apex Legends on or you can go and play, you know, Vampire Legends as I was talking about last week, Call of the Lamb, XCOM, any of these games of Command and Conquer, any of these games we've collected over the years of having them. It's just a hugely compelling device for what is quite a lot of money. It is a £450 device, but it has been excellent value for me, I've got to say. I've got, for all of its weaknesses, I think its strengths far away. And as a ga- purely gaming device, without going and messing around with all the sort of deeper emulation and things on it, it's just a truly impressive piece of hardware. Yeah, I can see the appeal of it and the flexibilityness of it. I think I just haven't seen one in the public domain yet. I haven't played with one, so I can't really comment, but the game's catalogue does look good and it's ever growing too. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I would say it sort of encourages a particular type of game, your side-scrolling beat-em-up or something like that. But you can play some AAA titles on it, like Deathloop we've talked about on this podcast before, which only came out in the last year. Runs perfectly well on a Steam Deck. Quake runs perfectly well on a Steam Deck. So if you want that kind of experience, handheld, there's not that many places you can get it, really. So it's really quite a compelling thing. Yeah, okay. Should we move on to the big console? The big consoles, and again, you can go first. Okay, so we've got Xbox, S and X, we've got the PS5, we've got the Switch, a general gaming PC or Evercade again. Now, I should be saying the PS5 because I've got one, and I do think it's fantastic, but they're hard to get hold of and they're very expensive. So I would probably personally lean more towards the Xbox S. I was talking to my brother about this at the weekend, and actually he was looking for a device for his children to play on. And I said, you're probably best off getting the Xbox Series S, but factor in, you need to get Games Pass. And that will give your kids plenty of content and a great device, really modern, really well built, as I had one shortly, and by Steam Planet enough. So that would be my recommendation, just for that reason. I think it's good on the pocket. It's a great device, especially if you don't know how much people are going to use it that you're buying it for. And it's easy to use, set up, but you must factor in buying the Game Pass because it's pretty much a mandatory requirement, I think. 100% agree. Uh, I'm not even going to debate about the other bits and pieces. If you have no console, 
and you want to get up in gaming very, very quickly. You've got youngish kids, but they might be interested in FIFA or sports or, or, or whatever the particular thing is. The Xbox Series S looks good. It's 1440p. It will play X, play YouTube and things at higher quality if you've got no sort of streaming service or anything like that. It's extremely well made. You, a couple of batteries and up you go. You do, I 100% agree, have to figure factor in that the Games Pass is useless without it. It has no, no drive. Yes, you can buy games off the Microsoft Store individually, but why would you? Unless it's the one thing you're looking for. There's enough variety, AAA games, bang up to date games, and the Games Pass to be part of it. I've talked about a number of them on this show. So I think it's almost a no-brainer. If you want a console, you know what you want. You don't know what you want. You just want to play some games. You've heard of some titles. You may have played games when you were younger and want some retro stuff. It's all in there. It's on the Games Pass. Figure in your tenner a month for it. You won't go wrong. Yeah, I completely agree. I'd like to recommend the PS5, but I think they're hard to get hold of and expensive, and their equivalent of this Games Pass just isn't there. So I don't think it's right. Unless there's a specific title you want on a specific console. The Series S makes most sense. Yeah, so Series S, I think, is 220 quid. Comes with one controller. You can quite often get a big AAA game with it, like a FIFA or something, depending on what the offer is at the time. Often they come with one to three months worth of games pass with them anyway. So actually, you're not out very much to begin with. You know, If you buy one over Christmas, and here's a top tip while I remember it, if you are buying somebody a console, be it a handheld one or, or an under-the-TV one, for your kids or for yourself, set it up first. Don't try and do it on Christmas Day when everybody else unpacks their consoles and gets it going. The servers get slammed. You won't be playing games because it'll have millions of updates. So get out of the box and update it. But I think for console, it's the only way to go is an Xbox Series S. If you're mad keen on 4K gaming, think about an Xbox Series X maybe. And for the Rolls-Royce experience, I'd go PlayStation 5. But I think you'd want particular title you'd want to be very embedded in the sony ecosystem you'd want to play the last of us or you'd want to play god of war ragnarok or something like that to go make that choice over xbox at this point choose me just saying fair yep, enough no, i'd agree good the other things on there the evercade vs which is the under one if you're into that retro gaming thing then that's an option too and of course there's always the gaming pc which i've put in the console thing because i didn't want to break it out but you're for, to have a quality experience on a gaming pc you're out a thousand pounds immediately and then you need to start buying the games. So it's a very different thing. You, and frankly, if you think you want a gaming PC, you're not in the mar- really in the market for a console. You're thinking of something else. So of course, it's a great option. You get more choice of games. You get more controllability. You get more flexibility. You have got to manage Windows because Linux still isn't there in terms of gaming. But yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. We can move on, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with everything you just said. Fair enough. Moving on, mobile computing. I'll go first this time. So for me, there's only one real choice here. We've obviously got lots of of options. We've got various Windows laptops. We've got a couple of choices of MacBook and we've got iPads. For me, the only sort of sensible choice, if you don't have any laptop at all and know you want a laptop, is the MacBook Air, M2 MacBook Air. I think that's your default starting position. Great screen, great speakers, great device, good battery, very reliable, slight privacy thing, as we've talked about, but I think we can look past that slightly for now. It's it's a no-brainer for me, MacBook Air, M2 MacBook Air. I'd say even the M1, if you're price conscious, they're under £1,000, which is a lot of money, but I'd say either the MacBook Air is fantastic. If you get the M2, why not? It's fan- The industrial design is fantastic. I completely agree. I think it's a great device. I think it depends on the only thing I was going to say is I think it depends on the use case. I would say if you want mobile computing for younger people, the iPad is fantastic. Just the regular iPad because it's quite robust. If you put it in a case, we've had ours for three, four years and there's obviously the screens need a wipe. They need to dust off, but they're in great condition. The screens aren't cracked. They're really robust. 
they get left on the floor, they get put on the sofa, all those sorts of things. I would say that is good for younger children. But no, I generally agree that if you want more of a general purpose device, the MacBook Air is the one to get. So for your uh, for the links for the show notes, you're recommending the current iPad with no accessories, the £499 iPad. Or even the ninth gen one, which is slightly cheaper with the home button. That's what my children have. It's just so robust. It amazes me. I've got one cracked screen, let alone two. I just think it's been fantastic. And all we've got is a cheap £10 case around it. And they've had the same case for years. I just think if you want a general mobile device for largely consumption and a bit of game playing, it's the one to get. Okay, so that's the iPad A13 with a bionic chip, £369 in the UK. Link in the show notes. Yep. Good stuff. Moving on. Headphones. So there are a variety of headphones in the market, and obviously we can't speak to any of them. We can only speak to the ones we listen to day in, day out. So in this list, I've put AirPods, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, because Chris wears them, and Sony XMs, because I've tried the threes and the fours from my own and my daughters. You can go first to Sam Chris. What would be your choice from this list? I haven't included crazy beats and things like that, because I haven't listened to them. I have no experience. Agreed. I've got very limited experience. So I've got the AirPods Max on that I use now, and I often use when I walk or play games. Fantastic, but stupidly expensive. These are only worth getting if they're on sale somewhere. And even if they're on sale, they're still sort of £450. They are brilliant and they work as you'd expect them to work. For me, I'd pick any AirPods. It depends on how your ears work, but any of the AirPods are fantastic. My wife's got a pair of the AirPods 3. I've got the original Pros. Fantastic. They just work so well with your Apple kit. And when you want to watch, say, Apple TV and it's late at night, they pick up on that. You just push one button and the sound will come out of your AirPods and the spatial audio. So... I'd say any form of AirPods, depending on what your budget is. I, I'd completely go with that, actually. Uh, there's the second generation, third generation, and the AirPods Pro second generation, as well as the AirPods Max are all available. I have direct experience with the AirPods third generation, the original AirPods, and the AirPods second generation. All good headphones, frankly. The only difference is really, really around noise cancelling as much as anything else. You get better noise cancelling with the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Pro second generation. You actually, they sound good enough without the noise cancelling that if you are on a budget and you think uh, the AirPods second or third generation are for you, that's absolutely fine. Very reliable, day in, day out. Battery's more than good enough. I will say my AirPods Pro second generation haven't worn them on a couple of flights now. The noise cancellation is stunning to the extent that I didn't take my Sonys out of the bag when I was flying. Very impressive headphones, work with all sorts of things, work fairly seamlessly. If you've got a number of devices to switch from iPad to MacBook to, to iPhone, it's very simple to switch with them, no matter which AirPods you pick. So yeah, I'd agree with you. Pick the one suited for your budget. If you can stretch yourself, I'd go AirPods Pro second gen because they're that good. Oh, I'd agree with that. And they could have got £10 off, so they, they come down slightly. The other thing as well to know is if you've never worn a pair of just AirPods or in-ear buds, what I don't think you realise until you get them is you can just put one in and just listen to something in one ear and have the other ear clear and hear what's around you or be washing up and still hear the children playing or whatever it may be, that is a game changer in my view. And my other top tip is if you're not sure they'll fit in your ears or they're going to fall out, if you happen to go past an Apple store, they'll let you try them. They might have been in someone else's ear as well, but they do clean them between use and you can actually try out AirPods and shake your head around and see if they fall out. I did that before by my very first AirPods back in the day. Yeah, I had AirPods 1 and they'd fall out my ears because they were just loose. And then as soon as I bought the AirPods Pro, fantastic fit for me. But your mileage may vary. We've all got different ears. Yep, good. Moving on and running out as well, actually. So video streaming services. So if you only can pick one, and what we're talking about here is Apple, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon. And I've put Paramount in there, even though I haven't watched it. I'm aware of what's on there. If you could only pick one, and I've also left off iPlayer and others because they're not necessarily pay for, what would you pick? 
Yeah, you could have included all four because you can pay lots of adverts. This one's interesting, actually, and I did see an advert for Paramount. It's got lots of money off in the UK, obviously trying to go for market share. For me, this was kind of a no-brainer. Either you, you're going to be Amazon because you, you've, you're paying for Amazon Prime anyway, and there's some content on there, and you get it for free. Or it's obviously Disney Plus, in my view, because there's so much content on there now. And I've been a subscriber of Disney Plus from day one. I think it's fantastic. And it's a good all-round channel now work because they included a lot of content from star they've got a lot more adult content whereas it started off generally for more family audiences but i think they've grown their catalog so much yep i'm with you i think if you can only pick one disney plus is the the way to go it's very interesting because i when i started writing this i thought i was going to talk about apple tv but actually when you're looking for variety and depth of content you'd exhaust apple tv very quickly even though it's high quality and we've talked about it a lot here if what I wanted was a lot of content that I'd find entertaining across a range of genres, from TV to movies to adult stuff to kids stuff, Disney Plus is really the way to go. And it's still relatively cheap. I think it's $7.99 or $8.99 a month for all that content. So if I could only pick one, it would be that. I kind of discounted Amazon just because I know we get it, I get it as part of my Prime subscription. But you get the odd show that's very, very good. I'm thinking of a Bosch or something like that or The Expanse. But it's few and far between you know there's not the depth of, of stuff that i really want to watch on amazon even if i go searching for it I, i'd put amazon below almost every other streaming service on this list actually even though i love the expanse i kind of agree with it i've more included just for the money conscious people they may already get prime and therefore you're getting two things for one and you get now music for included and that's the only reason you go for that is because it's more of a little bit of everything rather than a dedicated streaming service. Yeah. If, if you could only get one, I suppose, and you were already paying for it, then that's it. But maybe what you should be doing is cutting your Amazon subscription in these, tar- these torture times. I don't know. That's a whole different uh, topic for another day. Yeah, different topic. And then should we do finally? I think finally, yeah. If you've got no imagination, and we often don't have any imagination, and you're not sure, find out what the person likes to a certain extent and just get them vouchers. I mean, if they're big into the Steam store and they've got a Steam Deck or, you know, they've got a gaming PC, get them Steam thing. If they're huge Apple fans like we are, maybe they'd appreciate a, a gift card because you can't just spend, don't have to spend it on buying downloads from the music store or, or movies. You can actually spend it on the hardware as well. So it could go towards 20 quid off a pair of AirPods for somebody or something like that. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Or the, I think the default option, you've got the default option here, I think, Chris. Well, it's Amazon, surely. Like, if you don't know what to really don't know what to get something, you buy them an Amazon voucher. Even my children like an Amazon voucher because they know they will find something on there that they like. So I think Amazon's a good de facto. I used to buy Apple vouchers for myself. So you'd go into Tesco's here in the UK and they do, I don't know, ten percent off. So I'd buy a hundred pounds worth of Apple vouchers, put them on my account, and then it would just water down over time as I paid for any subscriptions or bought a piece of hardware. And I'd load up my account like that because you would save ten percent over time. So sometimes you do get a deal on buying a voucher as well, so you can look more generous than you are. It's a fair point, and that explains why you've got such a big iTunes library of movies. I think potentially <laughs> fair enough anyway i hope somebody found that useful it's quite interesting to think about and amazing how close we are considering how often we you know we, we pick different things and we different choices in our computing actually when we get down to it we're making the same sorts of choices for these kinds of devices so that's that's quite telling i think i think we recognize that choices we make for ourselves they're not for everybody are they so i'm not as surprised because I know I use an iPad all the time. It's not for everybody. I love it, but it's not for everybody. And the same with my massive Max headphones. They are fantastic, but you won't wear them all the time. You'd be too hot. No, exactly. And the console thing. I've been a PlayStation owner and, and advocate for generation after generation. But what do we pick of a mast? Xbox. So. I'm playing Gran Turismo to death. And 
I would recommend the Xbox because not everybody will play that one game that's only available on that one console. Yeah, you could get Forza, you could get Dirt, you could get any of the other multiple games that are available. Anyway, we've talked about that. Moving on, because we're, we're, we're going a bit long and we'll wrap up. So I've got my app of the week. I'm not going to have an app of the week every app, uh, every week because I don't use that many of them. I'm kind of, as new ones come along, I do assess them, but I do happen to have another one this week. I'd be curious if any, have you tried NetNewsWire, actually, Chris, what we talked about last week, or did you not pick it up? I haven't really picked it up. I was just trying to see if I could weed myself off Twitter and make just the website feedly work so i'm still persevering but i definitely watered down my twitter consumption and i probably do need to get on and install the app and just try it try net newswire it'll work with feedly it's good to have a nice syncing app across your platforms but my app this week is called dropover it's at dropoverapp.com it's a mac app because all my apps are mac apps pretty much and it's just for those moments when you find you don't have enough fingers to copy files around the file system if you install this, what happens if you pick it up and you're looking at a, a, a finder window and you've got a variety of things in there and you think, I want that from there, that from there, that from there. And they're either in different columns or they're in different things and you don't know all the keyboard shortcuts or you're just moving around. If you pick the first one up and wiggle it with your mouse, it'll, another window will pop up like a shelf. You can drop those, the, the thing you've selected or the multiple things you've selected onto the shelf. And then you can actually change views in the finder, go to another folder and pick up the couple of things you want from there as well. And that collects all the items you're trying to move around in the finder into one place. You've got them there and then you've got a number of actions. You can share them directly from within the dropover app or you can just copy them somewhere else or you can find them in place or you can do whatever it is you want with them. It's not essential. I think if you're quite good at navigating your way around the finder, it's not something you'd necessarily need. But I found it quite handy from time to time when I am navigating around and I'm trying to get things from different sources in one place quite handy for this podcast from time to time too so that's my little recommendation drop over i think it looks quite cool and how often do you end up in this scenario where you're yeah you're trying to copy lots of bits and bobs and i think it looks good i'd be interested to try it sadly it's not on the ipad you don't need to move files around the ipad who needs a file system on the ipad I probably don't need a file system per se. I think it's just in OneDrive in my world <laughs> that copy and pasting doesn't always work in it which drives me around the walk twist Fair enough. I think we can call that a show, Chris. Yeah, I think we're done. That was really good. I enjoyed that. That was good. It's nice making the recommendations and things too. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and it was good to reflect. And uh, look, if anybody wants us to look at anything else, do drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or reach out on Twitter at WFS and School Podcast. Love to hear from anybody. Talk to you next week. Cheers, Rod.